From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Georgia is currently ranked third among states with most uninsured residents. More than 1.4 million Georgians were without insurance in 2018. This week, Governor Kemp announced the second of two health care waiver proposals to increase coverage. If approved, the waivers will allow the state of Georgia to remain compliant with the Federal Affordable Care Act, making changes to the health insurance market in the state without expanding Medicaid. Georgia is, by the way, currently one of 14 states that have chosen not to fully expand Medicaid. During his announcement of the Georgia's, Georgia Pathways Plan on Monday, Governor Kemp addressed the current state of health insurance in the state. Right now, in Georgia, there are hundreds of thousands of Georgians who are working, training, or volunteering. They can't afford employer-sponsored health insurance. They can't afford a plan on the open market. They need coverage, but have run out of realistic options. Well, we want to better understand the impacts of the proposed waivers on the health and pocketbooks of Georgians across the state. Joining us is Ariel Hart, health reporter for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And welcome back to Andy Miller. He is CEO and editor of Georgia Health News. Good morning, Andy. Good to be here. Okay, so the proposal came in two parts. The first, the Georgia Access Waiver aims to overhaul the individual exchange, creating a publicly funded reinsurance program, offsetting the cost of premiums. So, Andy, who stands to benefit from that proposal the most? Mostly it's going to be people that have really high premiums in the health insurance exchange, uh, particularly in South Georgia, Southwest Georgia, who could be paying $1,000 a month on the individual market. And uh, what reinsurance will do is compensate insurers for really high-cost claims. And as a byproduct of that, the actual premiums will go down. I mean, the state thinks it could go down in South Georgia as much as $282 a month. Uh, Other states have done this. Uh, It's been successful in reducing the level of premiums that these people who don't have job-based coverage, who don't have government coverage, who are on the exchange. It's been successful in other states. So another prong of the proposal is having Georgians bypass healthcare.gov when purchasing coverage. Ariel, what would that mean for Georgians come the next enrollment period? That means that um, if you wanted, if you, uh, you know, typed in healthcare.gov, you would be rerouted to a page that does not allow you to enroll yourself on the government website, but gives you uh, private web brokers. And one of those, Health Sherpa, is uh, very well regarded by pretty much everyone, private, uh, nonprofit, et cetera. Others uh, are um, very, you know, varied in how people view them, whether they really serve the customer or not. So has that been tried in other states? I don't know of any state where that's been tried. And it's still an open question who else might be on the page that people are routed to. Um, you know, there are these nonprofit navigators that help a lot of people in Georgia to enroll. And um, they, when I've asked if they're going to be on that page available to consumers, that's a question they haven't answered yet. All right. So that is the Georgia Access Program. The second proposal was announced this week, Georgia Pathways, which aims to help Georgians who have never had insurance. Andy, how, how will people qualify under this new program? Well, they'll have to uh, have incomes of less than 100% of the federal poverty level, which is roughly $12,000 a year uh, for an individual. But they'll have to go through several eligibility uh, markers. One is, the biggest one is the so-called work requirement, but it's not just work. 
Uh, to be eligible for this coverage, people will have to either work, job train, volunteer, or be in school at least 80 hours every month. And they will have to attest to that on a monthly basis. And those are the people that uh, essentially will get the coverage. They'll also have to pay a premium on a sliding scale up to $11 a month. Work requirements have been stumbling blocks for healthcare problems in other states or solutions in other states. Ariel, what are the arguments for and against work requirements when it comes to expanding? Well, the argument for work requirements made by both the Trump administration and the Georgia officials who are advocating for them here is that um, work helps people. And so that if you can encourage people to get a job or at least uh, engage in community um, activities, then that will help lead them to a happier life. The phrase that the camp administration is using is lift them out of poverty. Um, and the argument against is that the, the um, liberals, people who oppose this, uh, say that you've got it the other way around. Somebody who's bipolar and on the street, they need treatment first in order to you know, be able to get it together to shower regularly and then go get that job. So that is a question. How many people are able to meet that work requirement? It's very much any... a question. Yeah. So uh, how many Georgians are estimated to benefit from these changes by Georgia Pathways? Well, the, the target population that the administration says is like 408,000 people who are uninsured under the poverty line. But they only estimate that it will be cover probably 50,000 people at any one time. And that's after it gets up and running. And I think the 50,000 number has uh, drawn a lot of criticism, especially from Democrats who will say, look, if we expanded Medicaid, like 36 other states, we could cover 10 times as many people. Andy Miller there, CEO and editor of Georgia Health News. Also with us, Ariel Hart, health reporter for the AJC. We're discussing the two proposals from Governor Kemp aimed to improve health care coverage in Georgia. So what stands out when we look at the financial impacts of each of these proposals, the costs? Well, I, I, I think that uh, the reinsurance program will be roughly $100 million from the state and the, uh, and the Medicaid waiver part looks like about $35 million. Now, the state's going to ask the feds for a 90% match to add those folks to Medicaid. But the feds turn Utah down for that same request. And so it's likely that Georgia will only get 67 uh, percent match. And uh, so I think that that had a big impact on what the state eventually decided to do. Critics of the waiver process claim that full Medicaid expansion is the ideal solution. Governor Kemp, on the other hand, says that it is, quote, a great soundbite, but ultimately too expensive. So how do the proposed waivers compare to full Medicaid Medicaid expansion? So a part of the question is hard to answer because there are going to be implementation costs associated with the work requirement that the Kemp administration says – they don't know yet. They don't know how much time and money it's going to take to build a computer program that can figure out whether or not you have met the correct community uh, community engagement standard. And those are complicated. You can't just say I mowed my neighbor's lawns 80 hours a month. You have to be um, with an approved community engagement program. So um, part of that's uh, uh, not really a question you can answer yet. That said, 
The numbers they're giving us so far um, are a state contribution of $104 million a year for the higher income people and $36 million a year for the poor, the uh, Medicaid expansion. Or, yeah, and um, that's compared to if you did full Medicaid expansion, um, estimates vary $200 million, $300 million a year from the state. When you look at the impacts to the number of people, full Medicaid expansion, you know, obviously would um, be several multiples of people more. More covered. Would, would you know, covered. I, sh- I should have asked you this. How about this work requirement? How does that affect people who are not necessarily on the books? Let's say a caregiver who's taking care of somebody who is, you know, mentally ill or um, has dementia, for example. Exactly. That's that's somebody who simply wouldn't be able to get Medicaid under this unless they could get an additional job, you know, figure out how to be free for uh, 20 hours a week and get an additional job that would qualify. The waivers still need to be approved by the federal government. So what do we think? that Governor Kemp has a close relationship with the White House so far. What do you think that influence will have over the process? I mean, I, th- I think that they have a great relationship with both um, CMS, the uh, part of the health department that will oversee this, and with the White House. Um, I think parts of this are going to move very quickly. Uh, other parts are going to take some more time. There's a really... Um, innovative, uh, unique, uh, different proposal to move the federal health care Obamacare exchange into state control. That, I think, is going to take a lot more time. Well, we did. Governor Kemp's announcement has sparked a lot of debate and across GBB social media. Bob Duval says the appearance of a solution is given while Georgians continue to go unserved. Expand Medicaid, Governor, for Georgia's sake. On the other side of the argument, Stephen Lee had this to say, since so many have a hard time understanding the concept of work ethic, you're mandated to learn it. This is a gift. Uh, Ariel, I know this is complicated stuff, but if we boil down the fundamentals of the debate over healthcare, what underlies each side? I mean, I think there's a real philosophical debate. Um, you know, what does society owe you? Do we owe anybody healthcare? Um, for from the Republican point of view, um, there's a limited amount of money to go around, and you don't just throw money at problems. And you want to be fiscally conservative, and this is a way to get more people coverage. This will impact thousands of people, and this is a way to get more people coverage um, without tossing out the checkbook. Um, and from excuse me, from the liberal point of view, it doesn't go far enough uh, that. Um, there's this idea that, you know, people need to be healthy in order to be able to work. And that's kind of a baseline thing that government can give its people. Do these two proposals have to work together? I mean, could one be approved uh, rather conceivably and the other be denied? That's It can happen that way. I think the Republicans, though, want to see them work in tandem. So if someone starts out getting help through Medicaid, they could uh, potentially uh, earn more money and get you know, more, more get into the health insurance exchange and, and therefore kind of move up the continuum as their salary goes up. So that's how they see it. They see it as a pathway from poverty through full employment. Mm-hmm. The, the mentality about health care 
it seems to be changing. I mean, do Republicans despise Obamacare less now that it is working for a lot of people? And is that is that what's making this way for possible? Uh, you know, I, I think the word Obamacare is never going to get a lot of love <laughs> in any, you know, in Republican circles. And I think a lot of people don't understand what Obamacare is. It's a vast law that affected a whole bunch of things that make people's lives better and, you know, in some ways worse. Um but um, I, I, you know, the, the polling that we have done has shown um, bipartisan support for the Affordable Care Act, for Medicaid expansion. Even um, our last poll showed that uh, more than seventy percent of Georgians across the board supported full Medicaid expansion, including, uh, for the first time, a majority of Republicans. Mm. But people also re- uh, support work requirements. I think what the issue is is when you get down into the details, there's a lot of misconception that, oh, if you're disabled, you'll be covered by disability. That's not necessarily true. Do we have a sense of how many Georgians are on disability now? I don't know that. Okay. How do, how do these proposals – Andy, you mentioned South Georgia – impact rural Georgia where hospitals and insurance options are often very scarce? Well, it the reinsurance part of it is expected to bring more competition in terms of insurance companies. There's there's more than 50 counties in our state that in the exchange only have one insurer to pick from if, if you're a consumer. So it's expected to help in terms of competition. It's expected to help in lowering premiums. But taking a look at what the hospitals are facing, they have uh, rural hospitals have a high level of uninsured, and and this will help some. There will be some added coverage here, but it, it won't be like a silver bullet for a struggling rural hospital or even an urban safety net hospital. All right, so we're going to be watching the story unfold as the approval process continues. Andy Miller, CEO and editor of Georgia Health News, thank you. Good to be here. And Ariel Hart, AJC's health reporter, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. Love to know what you think. Go to our Facebook group. Do you support the Medicaid waiver proposal? How would you like to see the state better address your health care needs? We're at GPB Radio's On Second Thought. We'll be back after a short break.